when the country was young and life was tough. Did you hear there's a depression on? Aw, oh, Ma, I know you got a dime hit someplace. A boy had few places to turn. Wanna go down the church? I wish I could go to the movies. 25 cents all day till 6. But Gennaro could always turn to his grandfather. It don't seem right. What do? You should die just so I can go to the movies. <sighs> he shared his wisdom. If a man is a virgin on his wedding night, he's gonna be a virgin the rest of his life. You know men can be virgins. <laughs> he opened his heart. You won't do me one little favor. Says who? You're gonna do it. Sure, but what? It's the one sin I commit in my life. I couldn't forget the next day. Yep. And most of all, he gave a boy the courage to dream. Get out of the heat. Get out of the depression. South Philly's brand new movie theater. New seats, new carpets, all air-cooled. In a time of sadness, they had laughter. In a place of hardship, they had hope. And in a world where many were alone, they had each other. Jerry Barone, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, and Al Pacino. From heart to heart and generation to generation. I love you, Grandpa. One family found the pathway to a miracle. Can you see my house? The house God had built it for me. What's it made of? It's made of gold. Nah, made of bricks. All it took was a little magic. One wish. So uh, over under on how many bits we're going to do on this episode. Hmm. You know, definitely more than one. Maybe more than two. I don't know. Is this already one? (laughs) 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 This one we already won in. (laughs) Oh, no. no, no. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the award winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute undeniable. Scientifically proven, greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Gremion. And oh no, Don, I, I just noticed you're in your, your lawn chair in your old man makeup. What's wrong? I'm in, in my old man makeup, I kind of look a little bit like an old Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> There's two bits. Hello yes. and welcome again to the Academy. <laughs> We're done. Serious now. We may have dreamed one of today's movies. You decide. You have probably haven't heard of it. (laughs) No one has. It's no one has. It is like akin to like finding like buried treasure or like it does feel weird. It does feel like like this movie could be like haunted and we've released like like some sort of Hellraiser creature. Like we've released like like a VHS tape head. I do remember when it came out. I saw like a trailer to it. Probably oh. the weird one that you played before the show started. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and that will play. It is insane. Yeah, it, it, but it was in one ear at the other. I was like, huh, you know, I'd rather watch Dick Tracy again or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hmm, that seems fine. I'd rather watch uh, The Client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so today we are celebrating my wonderful, esteemed co-host Patrick's birthday mm. on the episode. And Patrick made a throwback request. You see, we were taking a look at some of our records, and we noticed that uh, we are only nary a few Al Pacino movies away from completing 1969 to 1995 Ooh, in the he, Al Pacino career. Kind of his, yeah, 
the peak years because Heat was 1995 as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heat, the movie I like to call the two bits bounce back. <laughs> yes, you got You got That is definitely like a, okay. I need to. I need another gotta, job. Ooh, I gotta get a job. <laughs> can't can't do any more of this old man makeup. That was a favor. Now I gotta do one for Al. <laughs> one for Foley, one for me. One for Foley, one for me. But I never spoke with Jim Foley again. <laughs> only, only Foley. I'll hang out with this Dave Foley. Yeah, he's funny. Very funny guy. Love the kids in the hall. I love Canadian comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had Kevin McDonald's career. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was watching this. I was watching the show Superstore, and I saw Mark McKinney, and I said, "Man, he's got a maid in the shade." I could have played that manager. I watched uh, Bruce McCulloch and Dick, and I was like, "That was supposed to be my job." That could have been me. That could have been me. You know, as a working actor, some come your way and some don't. I got to play Scarface, but I did not. I repeat, did not get to act on the television series News Radio. <laughs> I did not get to play a teacher in Sky High. <laughs> Opposite of Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Another actor I'm a peer, if you will. So. <laughs> so hey, too, Patrick, many bits already. too many bits already. Patrick said, "Let you know, it's interesting because we two of the movies from the 90s that Pacino did, one of which is a pretty, pretty established, pretty talked about movie, maybe the movie most people who have come up to us and said, hey, that was one you missed. Would you say so, Patrick? This is the big miss from the original Pacino season? Oh, by far. Yeah, this is I like, yeah. I, in terms of, like, core Pacino works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, of course, 1992's Glengarry Glen Ross, directed by James Foley. But then Neri, three years later, James Foley and Al Pacino got together again for a film that maybe is not as known within the Al Pacino canon, and that is, of course, 1995's Two Bits. Yeah, if uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross is that, like, you know, established uh, McCormick and Schmitz-esque steakhouse, like, you know, that everyone goes to, it's the talk of the town, you know, uh, uh, a, uh, the Ivy, that sort of level of prestige restaurant, uh, Two Bits is kind of like that little sub shop uh, down a dark alley, and and you don't know if that sandwich is going to be good or bad, but you're, you're you're hungry, so you're hoping. It's like you're at the record store and you're going through the Willie Nelson section. You're like redheaded stranger, shotgun Willie, just established gems. So then you're like, whoa, Willie Nelson released a reggae album. That's kind of the vibe we're talking about. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Wait, <laughs> Willie Nelson was the lead singer of Dread Zeppelin, the reggae Led Zeppelin yeah. cover band. Yeah, it's kind of like, huh. Or, yeah, it's like going through the Metallica catalog, and you're like, huh, they did that one with Lou Reed. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> it's like hmm. going through Slayer's albums and seeing, oh, they did an Unplugged album. They did an MTV yeah. Unplugged Slayer. Yeah, huh. it's not exactly <laughs> what I, I'm interested. It's not exactly what I was thinking about. Probably worth forgetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, that would leave us with 1985's Revolution as the only Al Pacino of the younger peak Al Pacino era. That we have mm-hmm. not covered. We will get to it someday. I yeah. guarantee it. We want to see it. He oh, just yeah. introduced it at the at the Arrow, like two weeks ago. He came out for a Q and A. Really? It. The director just recently passed away, so he came out for a tribute. 
and oh, um he strutted on stage and was like doing it's like nature boy rick flair ju- <laughs> like shuffles many, and stuff like that how many scarves was he wearing was he at like he a was Steven wearing Tyler like he wasn't he was wearing like a v-neck black shirt and like a black trench coat he has a ponytail currently oh, it's all hey, it's like it's all happening for him he he's really rolling it was 80s like no question the coolest 80s something him him and uh between him and that picture of jack nicholson where he's just wearing the t-shirt and i was like hell yeah king that's you know take that picture these guys have given us a lot i from what i understand you know jack is not particularly well oh and we should not i mean he's there was a it's never been fully confirmed. This is all hearsay and allegedly that he's having, he's had memory problems. Uh, um, and gotcha, that was gotcha. the reason why we haven't seen him since. How do you know? Yeah, no, I'm I like wish team... him the best though. He's given us a million gifts. Yeah. He's one of my, obviously one of our favorites of all also, time. Just to be clear. I'm like team. He's like in his eighties. He gets to wear a t-shirt like fuck off. Like yeah, he's, <laughs> 85, he's 86 years old this year. Yes, Come on. He gets he gets to wear a t-shirt. That's you know, we got fine. A, we got a problem in this country that no one wants to admit we actually get old. Yes. It's getting worse by the day. It yes. is getting worse by the day. And when those people in Silicon Valley realize that one day they're not gonna feel so good and it's yeah. not going away. And the you, no matter how many blood boys you have yeah. tied to your yeah. fucking car or your your Maserati. Yeah, it's like it's we got there's like two schools of thought among the elite they're either never going to die because they're going to have blood banks and all this shit they're going to live forever or they've just been saved and they've got a good deal with the big man upstairs and it's okay because i'm going to heaven uh i i just would suggest be prepared for option three which is you die and nothing happens (laughs) yeah or option four you die. Your bed, or you're going to hell. Yeah, I yeah, guess exactly. Yeah. A certain guy, Mr. Pitch. Yeah, <laughs> you, Mr. You see me. Yeah, you see Ray Wolf. If Harvey Keitel comes up to you with a pineapple in hand, yes, you know you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, when you see Ray Walston's character from the Damn Yankees, uh, yeah. oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> your your reference, your reference, your devil was a lot classier than mine. I went with Little Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those two devils hang out you know that uh mr great, is it appleton two, two of the great devils without yes. question oh but... my god we should do a devil ranking for halloween mm-hmm. next year just something to think that'd about. be very funny the best devils let us know um yes. you know if you feel like emailing us at the academy academy podcast <laughs> gmail.com with a devil with a devil you like uh maybe they weigh prada who's to Ooh. say who's mm. to say mm-hmm. makes you think um al pacino though is moving in a groove and he's got four projects in development right now in varying stages uh just for a quick pacino update um he's got a film called sniff directed by taylor hackford co-starring helen mirren and morgan freeman Mm. he's got a movie called knox goes away directed by michael keaton what Cool, cool, cool. James Marsden and Michael Keaton himself are both in that with him. Ooh. He's got a film called Billy Knight, in which he plays the titular Billy Knight. Ooh. Um, is it is it N I G H T or K N I G H T? It's K. Okay, we got a, it's a K nine. And you know what? 
not that far from Danny Collins. Maybe we're getting something there. <laughs> oh, man, is the Danny Collins verse expanding? <laughs> it could be. It could be. That co-star is Patrick Schwarzenegger. And then the one I am most excited about, a film called Easy's Waltz, co-starring Michelle Monaghan and Vince Vaughn, written and directed by Nick Pizzolatto, the true detective guy. Ooh, that... It is feature film directorial debut. That's either going to be incredible yeah. or just insane. I'm excited. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. I want <laughs> bring more. It on. But I love seeing him in the game. I don't. I think you're going to have to drag our guy Al away from this away from the world of acting the man loves it too much he's having too good of a time seems to be just rolling to still i can't wait for all these new movies um so that's the al pacino update the other side of today's coin james foley we have not Mm -hmm. talked about james foley on the show before james foley was born in bay ridge brooklyn of new york Oh, I'm walking here. Pizza pie. Pizza. (laughs) Uh, Have a slice, please. That's Uh, a classic New York phrase. One New York slice, please. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where the subway lets out? (laughs) Walter Walter Mathouse from Taking Your Film 123 just slaps us in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Jerry Stiller just pulls out his clock. These guys, we should arrest them on principle. Uh, (laughs) James Foley was born December 28th of 1953, making him 69, almost 70 years old. Um, He graduated from State University of New York at Buffalo, flagship school of the SUNY system. I don't know if you were aware of that. Was Uh, not. He got his MFA in film study and production from the University of Southern California. Made his directorial debut in 1984 with a film called Reckless, starring Aidan Quinn and Daryl Hannah. Oh, interesting. A romantic drama. Was was Aidan Quinn one of those guys that that was kind of test run a few times as a lead? Kind of like um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like didn't quite get over the top, but was in quite a few things. I mean, yeah. I, I Legends of the Hulk just keeps popping up because it's <laughs> him and something we talk about in our house all the time. Him, Henry Thomas, and Brad Pitt in like 1993 are brothers and the spawn of Anthony Hopkins, none of which. <laughs> and Aiden Quinn brings home his wife and introduces her to Brad Pitt as he flips up his hair with his like long, like Fabio <laughs> hair. And I'm like, Aiden. I don't. I don't know if that's a good idea. Bringing your wife yeah. around this, <laughs> this like living romance cover. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's like there's we're we're this is a western. No one is in like the southwest is as pretty as this guy. Is. Yeah, <laughs> this is peak. This peak is like man. The yeah, this is like your brother is so much cooler than you. I hate to tell you. <laughs> yeah, he. You gotta, like, if your brother was Campbell Scott, maybe we could talk. Maybe you could bring the wife over. And you buy it. Aiden Quinn, Campbell Scott, Henry Thomas. Yeah, exactly. You could see that as a group of brothers. Yeah, they're like, three normal guys that are cool. This, this golden god middle yeah. brother. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this, as close as you can get to Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I know. Without like, floating and being perfect, blue. The perfect specimen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then in 86, uh, he directed a movie that I have not seen, I really want to see, called At Close Range with Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. 
Cool. Um, it's a neo noir neo noir crime movie. It's definitely on my list to see. Mm -hmm. And this kind of got him started in this realm of doing kind of like, with few exceptions, kind of masculine heavy crime movies, at least at this time period. Um, additionally, though, he um, and it's interestingly enough, he and Sean Penn became great buddies, and James Foley was the best man at Sean Penn's wedding too. Madonna, who's Ooh. also come up a few times on the show, and James Foley directed the Who's That Girl movie from 1987, which I believe was um, I don't know if that was Madonna. No, that was not Madonna's direct uh, acting debut, but it was um, you know, one of her one of her run of pictures uh, when she was kind of in her initial peak um he he also directed the, the live, live to tell papa don't preach and true blue music videos so outside of our man david fincher he directed quite a few of her very key music videos of the 1980s all, right. all of those were released in 86 so he's probably did all of those got along with madonna and got a chance to do who's that girl in 87 um 1990, he directs the movie After Dark, My Sweet, a uh, neo-noir uh, based on the Jim Thompson novel of the same title. You oh, ever man. read any Jim Thompson, Patrick? Yeah, he's an yeah. very mean author, but in a good <laughs> yeah, way. Mean. I like, I like good, his yeah. writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a <laughs> sick, like a... sicko in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah, if you, have a, uh, if you have a large bookshelf, he is definitely, he's firmly in the sicko section. Mm -hmm. And you guys know, our listeners know, Patrick and I love our... Of our yeah. love, our mean spirited authors. They're <laughs> sick, devolved freaks. We yeah. love them. And Jim Thompson, <laughs> you know, Hall of Fame member of that crew. And I've never seen this movie. I really want to. This is like this one above all the other James Foley's that I have not seen. This is the one I want to see the most. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Patrick, Rachel Ward, Bruce Dern in Ooh. the mix. Yeah. Ooh, know, this is like Bruce Dern before he had the comeback, too. This is like when he was in the kind of in the middle. This uh... Is, uh, right around the burbs. Right Ooh. around the burps, similar time mm. period. One of my, one of my faves. It got really good. It got great reviews, and uh, Ebert loved it. So I, I definitely want to see it. Uh, but coming off that, his next film was 1992's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, his first team up with Al Pacino, and um, you know, a big movie for like, you know, I guess like. For a certain sect, I guess. Like, maybe not mm -hmm. necessarily the general public, but people who, like, follow highbrow literary theater, New York, kind of like all of the the cultural, like, epicenter of it, the United it, States. This is a this is a big deal. It movie. is interesting, because I feel like this movie does get, like, lumped in with the fight clubs and mm -hmm. the, you know, there's, a, there's obviously a couple of movies... Uh, that are kind of considered like the the movie you see, like the college poster film, maybe is what yeah. you call it, like your Boondock Saints. And I feel like a Glenn Gary kind of gets lumped into those, but I think you made a great point in the sense that it is like a it's like a hair more airy. It's a it's a not even a hair. It's a couple hairs more erudite than other films of this milieu. You know what I, I mean? Think, it is. I, yeah. I think all. I mean, all those movies, and we're going to cover Fight Club soon, and we can kind of get into this a little. You know, the misunderstood. Wall Street was a similar time period as well. Kind of the Wolf of Wall Street later on. Um, 
and I don't know how this necessarily happens because I, I generally believe audiences are actually sharper than most people think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a certain segment of masculine-oriented films in which the condemnation or critique is misunderstood as praise. Oh, hugely. Yeah. There's and like a, and I, it's like interesting sense... that consistently happens. Oh, as someone who like sold cars, uh, you know, a couple years after Wolf of All Street was released mm-hmm. and how like everyone in car sales was just like, yeah, that rules. I want to be... I want to be these guys. I want to like hang out with my friend Leo and Jonah and uh, do evil like sales crimes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I don't I don't tend to think. I don't think any of these movies actually are an endorsement of what they became. Yeah, uh, I just think that for some reason, the. Like, I don't know how I mean, well, Wall Street's always the most interesting one because it's a clear condemnation of. Michael Douglas and Gordon Gecko character, but then for the next twenty years, Gordon Gecko was like, he was like the hero to the guys that caused like all the stuff in the Big Short. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, and yeah. like American and American Psycho was like, like a movie about a guy who thought Gordon thought Gecko that. was yeah, yeah exactly yeah. That, that mentality. Yeah, exactly. It's so, and then people thought Patrick. It's just it keeps on going. It keeps on never never ends. It, yeah, never ends, never ends. And I think David Mamet, we good time to get into him, is kind of one of a key figure in this. Who is almost at first it seemed like he was definitely in a critique analysis kind of stage, and I think obviously with his continued rightward turn may have be a little less critique, but I haven't honestly read a new David Mamet play since like any of his like early nineties ones. Right. You know? And I don't know if he's like I mean he's been riding on those early six like a lot of people do, you know, yeah. those early six. I think like his last time. The, the last movie, the most recent movie of his, besides the T V movie we watched for the pod, yeah. uh the I think the last like the work of his that I uh enjoyed was probably red belt like the tim allen i think that um i think you're absolutely right i think red belt is probably the last the last time he was kind of mentally there (laughs) yeah or had something interesting to say yeah yeah and you know he's working on stuff i mean the guy's written like you know 25 plays, directed a ton of movies, written a ton of movies, TV movies, like writes novels and stuff like yeah. that. He but, has like his own acting style, which is interesting. Yeah. And he's a super interesting guy. <laughs> I have taken his master class. Oh, done. Oh, done. <laughs> I know, I know. I got the membership, the year long membership. It was just kind of got into it for a bit. You there. gotta, you gotta take it if oh, you got you the year gotta, long. You gotta. Yeah. Well, I mean, I gotta get my money's worth. But yeah. I mean, you can go back to our, um, HBO Pacino episode for a little more in-depth analysis on, like, in particular, I think Mammoth's right word turn and kind of that kind yeah. of I think we talked about that pretty thoroughly yeah, in that episode. Perhaps how 9-11 exacerbated that. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, our kind of theory, he's like a key 9-11 uh, Republican. Oh, for sure. That, like, um, it just kind of opened the door for him and our buddy Dennis Miller and so forth to, you know, a zucker here or there embraced with you know open arms and i'm sure david mammon has wonderful thoughts on cancel culture and woke 
Oh, I'm sure man. he's got tremendous ones. I would that... love to see David <laughs> Mamet and John Cleese uh, direct yeah. a funny play about cancel culture. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make things funny again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you, a lot. yeah, and you know, I mean, if you could read too, I mean, he has a play about this almost exact thing, like he called it ahead of time, Olina from. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when year did Olina come out. Uh, but that's one about a campus teacher, student, the student accuses the teacher of sexual harassment. It came out in 92. Mm. Um, it's very interesting. It's rough, though. Mm. It's not, oh, for sure. not a pleasant yeah. play. But if you're interested in Mamet, I do. You should. That's a worthwhile one. Right. Check out. But he was already kind of in the zone of that, like in, 80, in 88 with Speed the Plow, somewhere kind of deal where it's like two Hollywood executives messing with their female assistant and that kind of thing. So he's already kind of covered it. Let's hope he doesn't do it again. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) But he kind of made his bones in the early seventies. I think it was like sexual perversity in Chicago in 74, but then in 75 American Buffalo came out, which is kind of, I think still alongside Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, kind of his key work. If you ask Mm. me, Um, American Buffalo is really, really good it's probably my favorite one mm-hmm. if i had to recommend it to anyone <laughs> um, but you know so but glengarry glenn ross the play was released or released place not get released it premiered september mm-hmm. t- september 21st of 1983 so the basic plot line of glengarry glenn ross for those who don't know it it's about um two days in the lives of four desperate Chicago real estate agents who are prepared to gauge in any number of unethical, illegal acts from lies to flattery to bribery, threats, intimidation, and burglary to sell real estate to unwitting prospective buyers. I did not write that. That was from Wikipedia. Um, uh, Title comes from two real estate developments mentioned in the play. This is confused me as a kid yeah it is a hell does that mean (laughs) is there a guy named glenn gary glenn ross (laughs) indeed indeed um and uh i don't know if you're interested but the original um 19 um 84 chicago and broadway cast oh please robert prosky played shelly levine you know he was the bad guy in thief yeah solid actor Um, J.T. Walsh played Williamson. Fuck yeah. James Tolkien, Academy Academy Hall of Famer, oh. played Dave Moss. Interesting. Mike Nussbaum played George, George Aronow. Mike and maybe Nussbaum. he... So, he's oh, sorry, the, so Mike Nussbaum, if I remember correctly, his like big claim to frame is he's the actor who played the alien in Men in Black that was like a guy with... He's like the jeweler with a little alien in him. Oh, really? It's like such a. I can't believe I remember that. Really? It is, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, and the interesting <laughs> thing about him, he is currently ninety nine years old, and will turn one hundred in December. Tip of the cap to you, Mike. Oh uh, man, I gotta, I gotta get him on the pod. And no, we yeah. don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Let him, let him be. <laughs> let, let him be. He, he yeah. has done his part. Um, yeah, we don't need. To, he just need to know about two bits and. <laughs> on um James Link, who I believe is the is he's the character, if I'm not mistaken, who is the yeah, the customer oh. character. Uh, uh in Chicago was played by William Peterson, 
Whoa. from uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Chicago royalty. And then on Broadway, Lane Smith played him. And Ooh. then uh, Jack Wallace played Balin. And, of course, in kind of his defining like role as an actor, I think, and the one mm-hmm. still is talking about today, Joe Montagna played Ricky Roma. And, Ooh. you know, uh, Montagna is a David Mamet, like he, him and William H. Macy are kind of like the two David Mamet guys. Oh, yeah. I just saw, yeah. um, I recently watched Homicide, and that those are heavy. That's a huge, that's a big Joe Montagna joint. That is a killer performance. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been revived many, many times with many different, um, many different crews. Um, over the years. I think that's uh, like why it's such a popular film. Uh, especially I feel like, yeah, it's just like, it's a, I think it's like big among like actors too, just because it is uh-huh. such an actory movie and it's really fun. Like there's so many as a play and as a film, you could really see, um, it's a great work and there's a lot of mammoth soul in it, but you could mm-hmm. also a hundred percent like have different, like part of the fun of it, I imagine would be seeing how different actors interpret that. Yeah, that work. And I think yeah. um, there's this one, and then there's uh, Jason Miller's play, That Championship Season, which is another, like, all-dude group play. Mm-hmm. They get revived yeah. a lot, because I think also it's, like, a proving ground for young actors to kind of, like, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, dick measure with each other. <laughs> like, gotcha. they want to, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. want to challenge each other. They want to push each other. It's, like, it's very macho. Both, oh, yeah. especially this play, Glengarry is so such, you know, nary a woman in sight in this play or movie. Yeah, unfortunately. Although there must be, there has to have been at least one like. Uh, well, yeah, uh, like, like all, a, all female. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be fascinating, and I encourage yeah. it. I'd love to. I would love to see it. Yeah. Um But yeah, so this one, you know, there'll be more versions mm-hmm. of this. But so there was definitely though. It's like. You could tell, like, the play, um, you know, is a massive success, and it has this potential, movie potential, and I think there's also a potential for, like, uh, we could get, like, a murderer's row of good actors. Yeah, that's the fun of the movie, right? And, um, oh, one thing I should know, too, this movie is kind of, it's everywhere. You can rent it, like, anywhere for free. It's streaming mm-hmm. on Amazon. It's on Peacock. It's an easy find, folks. Ooh. So it's out there. Check it out. I watched it on something called Freevee. Oh, yeah. But I, despite that, I, I also own the Shout Factory Blu-ray, but was just a little too lazy to go downstairs to get it. It's like I'm willing to watch a couple commercials. Yeah, I was just like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it, because we're going to get into a little bit of details here. Um, so David Mamet. Wanted five thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. I'll give you five thousand dollars for the rights to that, David. I'll give you two bits. <laughs> yeah, two bits, baby. I'm dying. Uh, um, so he wanted a million dollars for both the film rights and the rights to do the screenplay himself. Um, because of the uh, uncompromising subject matter and a very, very abrasive language, no yeah. major studio wanted to finance it, even with stars attached. And they got had to get financing from all over the place. So, getting back to our man Al, Al wanted to be in the original Broadway production. Ooh, 
he but at the time he was in london doing american buffalo Ooh. another as we mentioned damn man film he was in he really wanted to do it um by 1989 they had taken a look at um you know they had proposed it to jack lemon who we'll get to in a moment mm-hmm. and um but during this time, uh, the original director was going to be Irvin Kirshner. Oh my God, uh, uh, the Mister Empire Strikes Back. Mister Empire Strikes Back, but you know he dropped out to make another film. That film was, of course, RoboCop Two. Oh. Um, and Pacino dropped out to do Sea of Love. Go back and oh. check that episode out. A favorite. Oh yeah. Um. So then, Alec Baldwin became attached. And he to play the role of Ricky Roma because Al Pacino had vacated it. You know what? I can see it at that time. I see it. I can, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be a terrible choice. No, it'd be fun. The, yeah. Totally see it. Um, so, um, it was reported though that out then Al, Alec Baldwin bailed. It was reported he had left the project due to a contract disagreement, but the real reason. They were waiting out Pacino. They wanted Pacino. <laughs> that was he was still their number one choice. And they're like, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait it out. And he would be cast over Alec Baldwin ten times out of ten times in their minds and hell in our hearts too. Oh yeah. Um so if he if if he wanted to. Uh James Foley received the script in early nineteen ninety one, but um was hesitant to direct because he wanted great actors, people with movie charisma to give it watchability, especially since the locations were restricted. He wanted a stacked cast. Uh so Foley took it back to Pacino, with whom he had trying to work for on film for years, and he was hired to direct the film. Uh there was still some back and forth though. Um and they still had Alec Baldwin on their minds and this is where we get to maybe the most the only major change from the play to the script but it is probably the most memorable change one could imagine they wrote a role for Alec Baldwin that did not appear in the play oh wow and as anyone who's seen this movie it's probably the most memorable scene in the entire movie that Alec Baldwin gets his big monologue in um we'll get through the casting then we'll go we'll circle back to some of the story stuff um they they all alec (laughs) alec to surprise to no one with even semi-intelligence was like yeah i'll take it that's great (laughs) like yeah i'll play that guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) Ooh, that's meaty that's good yeah and they organized readings with a bunch of different actors, including Jack Lemon, who said some of the best damn actors you're ever going to see came in here. And I'm talking about names. <laughs> um, um, then the next uh, clients up, uh, Ed Harris and Kevin Spacey were soon wow. added to the cast. Soon after that, all the actors took pay cuts. Uh, Al Pacino's rate at that time was six million, but he went to one point five. Lemon was paid a million. Alec Baldwin received two hundred fifty thousand. Um, other actors: Robert De Niro, Bruce Willis, Richard Gere, and Joe Montana expressed Ooh. interest in being in it. Joe Montana felt he had a little say because he had been in it, but he is not in it. Um, there were, and the rest of the cast came together, which includes uh, Alan Arkin. 
as well as Jonathan Price as and that's kind of the core group. So our core group is Jack Lemon, Alec Baldwin, Al Pacino, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, Kevin Spacey, and Jonathan Price. Uh, prospective customer of Shelley's is Bruce Altman, who we last saw as poor Nicholas Cage's therapist and master therapist with a question mark. <laughs> therapist with a question mark, and um, so they've got some massive 1991-1992 heavy hitters involved oh, yeah. in the film. So the office culture is as follows: Al Pacino is Richard Roma. He is the king. of the office the top closer he's he's the sale he's the best salesman also among the other salesmen alan arkin is george aranow and ed harris is dave moss aranow is a nervous man while dave moss is an angry man yeah. <laughs> um and then the fourth salesperson at the office is sheldon shelly the machine levine played Oof. by jack lemon The aging, um, maybe not at the top of his game. Yeah, uh, the, the the character that inspired Gil from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. The saddest. <laughs> um, the, if if um, Willie Loman did not exist as the saddest salesperson in the history of American theater, Shelley the Machine Levine would be right there. Yeah, which in a way is almost sadder because it's like he can't even be the best at being sad. No, he's not the best at being sad, but he would tell you he was, certainly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays John Williamson, who is the off the consistently shat upon office manager of yeah. this terrible office. <laughs> oh, God. When I see him, I think of uh, Josh Fadum in 30 Rock with his big suit. Yeah. Like, just very, very much like uh, uh, little bridge bridges are a bit too big for this guy energy. Mm -hmm. But what Williamson does have is he has access to the leads, mm. which makes him very powerful. But the office is in a big slump in general outside of Roma. No one's feeling good about it. They're trying to sell. They're trying to sell real estate. It's not going well. They curse up fucking storm. I can yeah, say they're all <laughs> just mad. One rainy night, they are called in the office. Quoted Harris, "What the fuck are we doing here for?" You know that kind of deal. Mm -hmm. They are all sat down. Uh, Roma does not show up, but fuck it, we'll start without him. <laughs> As our, because the heads of their company have brought in one of the firm's top salesmen in general. to perhaps give a motivational speech to our guys. And that is, of course, <laughs> Alec Baldwin playing the role of Blake. And you name it, you've heard it. The ABC's um, first place gets a Cadillac, second place gets steak, nice, third, you're fucking fired. Mm -hmm. You've heard it all. The brass balls. Like, oh, you know, what did you drive here tonight? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, is. It, it works every time. It's thrilling. The entire oh, sequence sure. oh for sure although like you do watch it and one thing i think that like one thing i noticed i've seen this movie maybe this might have been my third viewing of of uh gggr and mm. uh i really got a sense now more than ever how just like truly depressing 
and just sad sack, even like Alec Baldwin's character, mm-hmm. who's ostensibly like this cool, like I'm the hotshot. But like you're pulling out brass balls, like know, this fucking sucks. It's, I it's and like I know you... some people like we get back to what we were talking about earlier. Some people like get off on that, and like to you and I, I'm like, this is like, you want to live like that, man? It's depressing. Yeah, it's truly great. Well, it's like, and I think it's like also that bit where he, I think he's convinced Ed Harris is gonna steal his watch, and he like challenges Ed Harris to do. He like leaves his watch. On Jeff on Ed Harris's desk, and he's like, and I'm like, is he gonna get that watch back? Is he just like kind of like seeing what Ed Harris does with this like Rolex on his desk? <laughs> oh my god, yes. Yeah, is, he, is, he, is it like a power play to be like, ah, oh, don't worry, I don't, I got another one at home, you know? <laughs> yeah, and um, and basically after he gives this speech, the guys are in varying stages of freakout mode. Because yeah. Ro- Roma's currently in first place, and then the the other three are in various varying degrees of sh- like shit out but, of luck. Yeah, yeah but... <laughs> they're just all like, yeah, to steal nomenclature from this film, they are fucked. <laughs> they are fucked. <laughs> and you know, we don't necessarily need to get. I mean, if you haven't seen it, we'll, we'll save you the joys and treats. Oh yeah, of the twists and turns on this one. I don't really feel like spoiling this one yeah. all the way but basically it's just like a series of escalating desperate games mm-hmm. i would call it are played out between them to try and convince customers that they should buy their bullshit and to convince the office that they shouldn't be fired and could convince kevin spacey to give them the leads is you know and yeah. they progress as their desperation occurs they get more verbally violent across yeah. the board with everyone but in particular to spacey who has in their minds the get out of jail card mm-hmm. and um you know in the heart of the movie really does come down to shelly the machine mm-hmm. levine jack lemon's performance is my favorite performance in the movie it's his film. It's a hundred percent his film. Like, and it's it's funny because like it's this is touted as like a Pacino film to some degree, and him as Tony is he's great. He's it's a mm-hmm. one of the best. It's a great supporting role, and he deserves the the Oscar nomination. But like, it's such a Jack Lemon film. And it's y- like in it, the scene where um Lemon is telling him about his sale, and he wants the rundown of it, and the way Pacino's listening to him, just like giving him the stage, pretty much, mm-hmm. it's just brilliant stuff. Like Pacino is like in thrall to him. Like he's the and all the rest of the guys are too. They know who their kind of elder statesman, the guy that they respect on set is. And it's him. And, you know, he runs with it, man. I can't think of another actor who, um, as they age like that, like, I mean, this is like, you don't see like, um, I don't know, like James Garner, even Walter Matthau necessarily taking on parts of this meat in the 90s. Yes, a lot of those, I think there's just like a range. I feel like it's almost like a unique, Jack Lemon is such a, like there's so much soulful, soulfulness to his performance and his ability to go from like the highest highs to the lowest lows so quickly, like at the drop of a hat. I think like, yeah, not a lot of people have that. His, like, his, range, his range as an actor though, to go from like light comedy to heavy drama mm-hmm. it's pretty i mean often in the same scene <laughs> often in the same scene i mean i like 
and I think we were texting last year because I saw that movie missing the Costa Grav Costa Gavras movie. Oh I can't yeah. recommend more to any of our listeners who haven't seen it. It almost made my discoveries. It probably should have. Um, but you know, that's one about like his son is in South America as like a reporter and disappears. Oh. He's like this American conservative guy who goes down to like track down his son and he discovers that the Americans might have some involvement in the disappearance and stuff like that. And it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, oh, and then on the other side of that, one of the first movies I saw in 2023 was Irma LaDuce. Yeah. Which is like a really light, fun, goofy, like comedy set in France where he plays like a, a goofy French policeman that falls in love with like a, a high level courtesan. And like, he does like, you watch that movie and you're like, oh, like all like the James, the James, all the Jim Carrey characters don't exist without this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, his, like, like his slight comedy work with Billy Wilder or, or even like The Apartment, which is like one of the key dramedies ever made. It's it's just phenomenal. And this he is does just it all. another like edge because he can also like this one. He's like a creep in this movie, too. Oh, totally. Scumbag. Yeah. And he's like leaving his like. He's like screwing. He's like not helping his daughter at the hospital. Well, yeah, he, and then he, he tries to use it as sympathy with Kevin ugh. Spacey, which is like, and Kevin Spacey, who I know, you know, go back to our Looking for Richard episode if you want yeah. to get into. Evil energy, yeah. He's a the Robert energy, Blake his, type of character. His energy, he's really good in this movie. Yeah. He's a really good actor. He was yeah. really, you know, I mean, I don't know how much we're going to see, but how much more we're going to see of him. I mean, if he's, yeah, if Bulgaria still has movies for him to star in, I guess, yeah. maybe, I don't know. But, but uh, we're not going to be seeing him in these high-level movies, oh, I doubt. No. Um, but Gotta... he's phenomenal in this movie, and he plays his cards really close to the vest because the other guys are, like, so hot throughout the movie. Like, mm. when you're dealing with Lemon and Harris and Pacino just screaming at you. Like mm -hmm. throughout the movie, and then, but you realize Spacey actually has the power in yeah. the movie, and you, and he doesn't Lemon, need to be hot. <laughs> and Lemon may not realize that until it's too late. You know, mm -hmm. after he berates verbally berates him for thirty minutes, telling him he's not a man. Like, and that's like obviously one of the big themes of this movie is that if a man can't sell, is he a man? Mm. You know, and who are we men? <laughs> Like yeah. for the shithole and stuff and then, like that. And then aren't on we top supposed of that, to earn? Aren't we supposed to take care of our families? Well, then on top of that too is like, like, and I don't know if David Mamet was answering this question uh, at the time of making this movie, but the one question that popped up for me is like, do you want to be a fucking? If this is like the yeah. pinnacle, if the if Alec Baldwin, Mister Brassballs, is like what you're aiming but for, that's that the they, goal, the platonic I they, ideal. I think that they do. But the interesting thing is they feel so entitled. Don't we deserve to be men? We are these like middle-aged white guys. Yeah. And then Alec Baldwin and Kevin Spacey basically treat them like dirt. Oh, yeah. Complete trash. Oh, it's and like. They don't, and it's how do each of these four guys handle that in a different way? Oh, know? yeah. Because like yeah, Alan Arkin implodes on himself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like he is like such a sad sack. It is <laughs> truly grim. Ed Harris looks like he's about to like murder. Yeah, you know, very and, much on the verge of becoming the Joker. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Pacino is um kind of self righteous, yeah. and you know, and like we are men, 
We deserve this. You are a boy. You know all this kind well, of thing. And, yeah, but well, the thing though with him is he's like on top, so he gets to have that like little bit of like you know edge, I can wine it, yeah. and dine. I can wine and dine, but also like if things don't go his way, it's like don't fuck with my shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like I know he knows how precarious it is. He could see how broken the other three guys are. Mm-hmm. Like because I think he's the best salesman because he can read people the best. Right. But even then, like when at the end when he discovers kind of Shelley's long game, it's a little mm-hmm. surprising to him. Because I think he also really, really wants to believe that the machine is back. That this is possible, that you one could like live in this world and have ups <laughs> and downs and that kind of thing. That is funny because there is like, yeah, you get the sense that there was once like a hero Mm-hmm. And I think they stated in the movie, there's a hundred percent like a hero dynamic between like Tony Rowe. Like he looked up to Machine. Tony Roma's a, certain... a ribs man. <laughs> oh, God. Rick, Ricky Roma. <laughs> Ricky <Sorry>. Ribs. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Ribs. ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I've said Tony Roma like five times. Yeah. Uh, I'm working on not a lot of sleep, folks. Okay. And I'm hungry. <laughs> Ooh, oh no. <laughs> we gotta sell these ribs. Gotta get those ribs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, ribs. I agree with you though. There is a somewhat of like a mentor mentee mm-hmm. feeling between the two of them mm-hmm. which of course is like so interesting because pacino um a few years back they revived the play and pacino did play shelley apparently it oh, didn't wow. go very well did not get very well reviewed but He's... like on on paper to me it seems like a gimme interesting i don't know if like i love pacino pacino the god I don't know. Oh, you know what? He is like he can be a big sad sack though. Like we've seen, like he played a doorman, a bellman in Chinese coffee. Yeah, <laughs> like a bellman at the right age I think of like sixty-seven. I, I mean, he can play a loser. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but it was interesting in that revival. Our our, our dude Bobby Cannavale played Roma. Ooh, and David Harbour played Williamson. The office manager. That's a big cat. Let's see. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like I want to see just because that's an interesting cast. Well, yeah, you want to see it. Like, <laughs> I think it's like it's interesting. I mean, looking at 2017, they did it in London, and Christian Slater played Roma. Man, and I agree. Like, I want to see it every time. Yeah, with these different iterations, because it's like there's always going to be a different spice brought to the table by these different performers and the history too like i'm sure like you ask bobby cannavale or christian slater they know everyone who's played roma before mm-hmm. and they know kind of like the heights of that part right like it's, to... yeah i mean yeah like regardless of whatever there is about david mamet like um you know he has a couple that are kind of last Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like, like, and like, is this like a movie for like everyone? Probably not. It's like a little outdated at points. It can be a little, it's a little rough around the edges. Yeah. But like, there's definitely like a lot. Like, it's, I think it's not, it's never boring. Like, it's very, like, I think, like, it's just saying, like, I think it's, it's fun for me at least to watch a bunch of like really talented actors just go, you know, yeah, and handle yeah. like some very, like, you get to see them handle very meaty roles and those roles have like clear games. And so that's a lot of fun. Like, it's just fun to see like, it's like, Hey, this guy's the sad sack. This guy's this. So how are they going mm-hmm. to interpret that? How are they going to play? How's their sad sack going to come out? How's their angry man going to be like, you know, demonstrated to us. And you know, the interesting thing about it is like, yeah, you could say it's like, there's some elements, you know, 
that are rough around the edges. But I think the sad part or whatever, like this, I don't see this as any different business. The business they no. work in might well, be a little different, but the, there's no like these are dudes still behave this way that, that, nonstop. See, that's, no, like, that's the thing. It's like in like, I think it's like these people are still just as crass and like they're saying that Alec Baldwin, there is a hundred percent some fucking goon somewhere in like 22 year old fucking kid on TikTok saw that was like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh, and there, and there's like a 38 year old, you know, uh, tile floor salesman in Appleton, Wisconsin, who's straight up just, he he memorized that scene and is doing that to yeah. all of the goons he hired that day or whatever. Like it just it's never it's it's like it's just one of those things that's uh, that started in the eighties and it's never gonna die. Like this Can whole you, like um, hardcore intensity. Here's a thought. You know that saying that you can't actually make an anti war movie? They all turn mm -hmm. into like so like you watch like anything from Apocalypse Now or American right. Sniper or Zero Dark Thirty, you name it, whatever. Right, it ends up like it's always kind of a group of people who will be jacked up by what they see. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's like can there ever be like a full scale like anti American masculinity movie without people like flipping it into like I actually think those guys are badass? I think I don't know. You'd have to be really just like saying it outright, which would be boring. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the problem. That's all. That's the, that's the problem you run into. I mean, there are yeah, like because it turns into homework. Like a true anti-war movie would be homework. Yeah, I mean, there's like things that like was a come and see. Like that's an anti-war. I don't think I don't that's see anyone cool, leaving. Yeah, I don't see anyone leaving that one being like, oh man, I'm ja I'm pumped. Yeah, good time. <laughs> yeah, and so and, and I think there there are, there are at least like anti I think it's I think it's possible, but I think that they are like similar. Both both ideas. Yeah. Oh, it's the same. Oh, for sure. It's same like same reaction, kinda. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's like uh the same person who watches this watches Saving Private Ryan and all they get out of it is like, Oh, I could have done that. Like Yeah, me, it's me and my friend Vin Diesel. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I would have saved that guy's ass way faster. I would have used two grenades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks would. I would have gotten Tom Hanks out of there too. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's get the hell out of here. You're yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Mustard and, Lincoln. And I, well, I guess like you know, I like you know, our one of our favorites, MacGruber actually does critique it. Yeah, they don't make any of it. Like the action scenes are there, but they don't make any of them seem fun. And God. he behaves like a monster the entire time. And if anyone says I admire MacGruber, you're weird. You're a weirdo. <laughs> like, I think no one. That is, it is actually successful in the sense that it's impossible for that person to exist. There's no one. Like, yeah, even one of, one of my. They have critiqued the action hero completely in that movie. Oh, eviscerated it. And, yeah. like, even, like, the the thing he's good at, which. On one hand, I do find it to be the funny one of his funniest bits, the the throat ripping, an incredible bit. It's also but terrible. it's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Disgusting, <laughs> it's so horrible. It's so, like Ryan Phillippe's character is like throwing up. Yeah, Ryan Phillippe's character is actually kind of what you want out of like the American soldier, like a guy who like does their job, is competent, never does anything over the top just kind of goes about their business and is rightfully offended and stunned 
by yeah. MacGruber's behavior. The atrocity, the sins yeah. of MacGruber. The, the sins of MacGruber rightfully offend him to his core. Like, oh my god, I want to just do, they should just have a hearing for MacGruber. I would love to see like a... <laughs> the trial of MacGruber. Yes, just like the Decker in court. Just the. Tri- yeah, it's it's so... Um... Oh yeah, and... Oh, a few good forgot. MacGrubers. The, um... Yeah. Alec Baldwin's speech is, of course, the coffee is for closers speech. That's what it's called. I forgot that. I forgot ah. to bring that up. I know it's hey, look, time. I said Tony Roma earlier. I, yeah. you know, I still want to call him Tony Roma for some um, reason. The uh, movie has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Uh, the critical consensus is this adaptation of David Mamet's play is every bit as compelling and witty as its source material, thanks in large part to a clever script and a bevy of powerful actors. Yeah. Uh, it uh, had its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival, where Jack Lemmon won the Volpe Cup for Best Actor. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Get that Volpe. Uh, very close to when our Wesley Snipes took his Volpe for <laughs> One Night Stand. <laughs> Which you know what? Get that Volpe King. Get I don't that care. Volpe, Wesley. Get that um, Volpe. The movie was budget twelve point five million, made ten point seven million. So it was not a smash mm-hmm. at the box office. I think it's just because it's a um it's not like a good time. No, like, I was I, I watched this with my mom and my sister, and at the end of it they were both like I did not have fun. Yeah, it's not a like, and the you know the point is not fun. Yeah, no, no, this isn't like uh, yeah, you're not going into this with like with Sonic the Hedgehog in mind. Mm -hmm. And at no point, at no point will will Ricky Roma twerk, sir. Yeah, um, but its legacy has lived on. Like we said, most people have seen this movie, or at Mm -hmm. least know it. They certainly know. In some way, shape, or form, the coffee is for closers sequence. Yeah, it's have, in the have, zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist. Um, you know, it's a quintessential modern movie about masculinity. It lives on. Some people have um, misinterpreted it. Others are interpreting it just right. But, you know, like any good art, I think there's a um, kind of a varying degrees on yeah. how you can see this thing. There's not... You know, it would be very boring, like we were just saying, if it was just one idea. Yeah. And this is the idea we're presenting. Um, movie was nominated for one Academy Award, Best Supporting Actor, Al Pacino. Uh, Not believe with... Jack Lemmon didn't get one. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. That was the 65th Academy Awards, of course. Mm. Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. At those oh, Academy Awards, uh, up against Robert Downey Jr. as Chaplin, Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven, Stephen Ray in The Crying Game, and Denzel Washington in Malcolm X. So no slouches mm, in the mix what? there. Throw, throw <laughs> Chaplin out of there. That's what I say. Oh, Take that you know little tramp. Saying? You know what I'm saying? Here's a controversial thing. Throw out Scent of a Woman. <laughs> Not how dare you. Boom. boom He's our bread and butter. <laughs> He's our livelihood. <laughs> you and you and James Rebhorn got into his sports car and ran him over. <laughs> oh, I dumped uh, dumped some paint on James Rebhorn's sports car and yeah. But uh, top level group, I I I thought Danny was good in Chaplin, but I also have not. I don't think I've seen Chaplin. I've never 19, seen. It's 19, probably 19, a great movie. since 1993. So who's to say? Yeah, uh, probably but the it, best movie uh, of all time. A very stacked group, but I think you're right. Jack Lemon should have been, or they could have run him for supporting. 
They could have declared oh. it. They could have declared they were all supporting mm-hmm. actors. That's fair. Yeah, drop another supporter. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who was supporting that year. Oh, and but Jack Lemmon did win Best Actor for the National Board of Review Awards. That's like good. Said he won the Venice International Film Festival uh, Best Actor. Um, in general, though, the um, movie has uh, you know lived on. Mm-hmm. And James Foley does a very nice job of keeping it exciting, keeping it visual, despite its very stage-bound story. Yeah, I'd say. I love the I love the little like street they have, like then how they're constantly walking between like there's like a Chinese restaurant and their little like office, and they're constantly walking on the street, and you can see like the subway mm-hmm. on the background, and it's uh, it, it simultaneously feels uh, like it's like it has not abandoned its. Uh, theatrical roots, uh, and it still feels cinematic, which is a uh, hard feat to achieve. We gotta get the cinematic quality, but we know why we're here. We want to see this group of actors sing, and really do it, and they do. He does a good Mm job. This is probably, I mean, we'll get into some of his other movies, but I would say this is probably the movie James Foley's gonna be like his key movie. Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'll probably be... (laughs) You know, for better or for worse, probably remembered for Fifty Shades. Uh, yeah, and, well, yeah. <laughs> better <laughs> but, or worse. Uh, for better or for worse, but uh, yeah, I think at least among like this is yeah, because I feel like yeah, Glenn Gary Lederos. It's like one of those if you're becoming a burge if you're a burgeoning movie head, I feel like in the in the first ring of movie hell, this is one of the movies you walk into. Initial movie, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you like have aspirations for movie brodom, yeah. um. Put this on your list. This is gonna yeah. be this is this is canonical literature. Canonical. Yeah, it is. It's canonical. Yeah, it's like yeah, whoever the Harold Bloom of movies is, Harold movies, whatever. Like yeah. Also, I mean, you know, it's kind of dudes rock, anti dudes rock too, because there's no camaraderie between the dudes, but there oh. are certainly a lot of dudes. It just seems movie. like hell. It seems bad. Yeah. No one is happy. Everyone is sad. The, sales, it is like, man. Sales sucks. It is. A it's a shitty job, it, man. It's just so grim. And it's like, yeah. man, it's just you're grasping for straws. Like, constantly. Yeah. That's all it is. It just feels just like you're... Gr- desperation. Living in, yeah, living your life in a desperate state at all times. No thanks. Hate it. Uh, joker fine. So, simultaneously, right around this time, he did... James James fully directed a, um episode of Twin Peaks in the initial Ooh, run. Cool. Which is cool. Uh, I wonder if that uh, will factor into our next movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe a little influence. Maybe. <laughs> Who's to say? So then, um, simultaneously, a script was being written around this time. Maybe around this time. Maybe even earlier, for all we know. Yeah, maybe it was being uh, written in a shoebox in the 50s. Who knows? By a man named Joseph Stefano. Joseph Stefano was born May 5th of 1922. Died mm-hmm. August 25th of 2006. At 84 years old, he was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, interestingly wow. enough. Now, um, he, uh, his main claim to fame, uh, he was producer and co-writer of the original Outer Limits, but probably the thing that's going to um, live on forever mm-hmm. is that Joseph Stefano wrote Psycho the mm. Alfred Hitchcock movie in 1960 uh, adapted from Robert Block's novel Psycho is obviously a all time you know classic yeah. it's a great film great script and and between that and the outer limits uh, he had a you know excellent massive you know 
Hollywood career. Yeah, Outer uh, Limits is one of the great because that's kind of like the other Twilight Zone, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, did a ton of TV work. Just was a you know pro writer nonstop. Um, he revisited in 1990 the Psycho characters he wrote Psycho for the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and in um the hit the movie Hitchcock when Anthony Hopkins played Hitchcock, he was played by Ralph Macchio of the Karate wow. Kid. Or, you know what? The younger listeners probably know him more from Cobra Kai, but the olds in the house know him as the Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, or or the the or um the cousin of Vinny. Uh, yes, the <laughs> titular cousin of Vinny. Yeah, he is the Mai. <laughs> Of the Mai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the titular Mai. <laughs> yeah, he's the titular Mai. <laughs> also, we can't forget that he was uh, the writer of one of my discoveries of 2022, Revenge. Oh, he wrote that too? Yeah. So we're talking like, you know, ho- Hollywood man. He worked <laughs> nonstop yes. throughout, you know, you know, died no six, but had a long Solid career, died in Thousand Oaks, probably in a you know mm. hospital near a beautiful house. Uh, but at the end of the day, like a lot of people, you know, some people can have like a consistent run of nonstop jams, and some people have like one big smash. Yeah, some sometimes you're guided by voices, sometimes you're a fastball. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, every time you know, we've talked about, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Chumbawamba, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to know more about other Chumbawamba songs, but they're yeah. not going to be as memorable as the Tub Thumping. Yeah, what what other new radical songs are there? I don't know. Probably yeah. never will. <laughs> you know, when that came back with Biden, <laughs> I Aaron was like, oh, he's there, he's gonna get the new radicals back together, and I. I looked at a record store. I consider myself music knowledge, but I'm like, who? I had no clue. <laughs> like, and he, I was like, Jed was like, you've heard him. I was like, have I? Like, but I went through like a 15 year run where I did not know what Jim Croce sounded like. Too. Whoa. <laughs> like, you didn't know my boy Croce? In high school, I was like, Jim Croce, he's like, you know, up there with Cat Stevens and Bob Dylan. I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> bad, bad Leroy Brown? Well, I figured it out now, but I didn't know then. It was weird. That's fair. That's fair. There's like things I didn't find out until like embarrassingly later. Like I don't think <laughs> I knew who like Todd Rundgren was until I was like 28. <laughs> yeah, it happens. You know. Yeah. You know, music. Being a music kid, it's hard. There's a lot. There's a lot of music. Too many music. Too, too much, much music. Maybe there's too. Hey, you've heard it here first on the Academy Academy. Too much music. Turn it down. Too much music. Turn down that music. Turn out the movies. There's not too many movies. (laughs) You should only be listening to or watching movies when you drive. No radio. Watch as many movies while you drive as possible. That's what I always say. Yeah, get out that laptop. Put it right, right on your, right on your driver's wheel. You know, it doesn't matter what movie. It could be Finding Nemo. It could be Two Bits. Who cares? Live your bliss. Don't do that, folks. Don't do that. So uh, by 1995, Joseph Stefano had had a long and varied career and decided to sit down at that old typewriter Mm. and throw together, you know, think about his memories. Think about what made him. What made him the guy to adapt Psycho? 
what made Ooh. him the guy to come up with Outer Limits? Yeah. And he sat down and tossed together a screenplay for a film called Two Bits. Now, for those who didn't know, including me, what Two Bits <laughs> stands for, it is American slang term for a quarter dollar. Did you know oh, that? didn't know that. Why two, though? I don't know. Maybe it's like, yeah, I don't. What? I don't get yeah, it. This, I don't get yeah. it. It's not, yeah. like two, it's not like two coins make 25 cents. Yeah. Already, I feel weird. So a bit <laughs> is a colloquial expression referring to specific coins in various coinages throughout the world. But I I still find it very confusing. The, uh, the plural versus singular gets me a bit. A bit. Yeah. A bit. A bit. A bit. A bit. <laughs> I fell down a hole. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sat down to write a script. Somehow, post Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, you know, J- James Foley, you know, strong working director at this mm-hmm. point, got a pick of a bit of a pick of the litter. Um, and he decides he's going to get involved with two bits. Now, just ahead of time, folks, there is a lot of literature about the history and making of both the play and the film Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Check it out. It's a legendary, legendary canonical film. Um, if you've heard of two bits before we started this, then you've already won half the battle over us. <laughs> yeah. This film that seemingly just appeared out of nowhere. Just, Magic, not necessarily <laughs> yes. in the film, but just kind of the magic of movies. That there could be move, you know, back in the day too. Like I was thinking about, like every weekend, you know, it's a John Wick Four or Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like one big jam. Yeah, comes out. Dungeons and Dragons, nineteen ninety five. You could just stumble upon two bits. Like I've never heard of it. What is it? I'll go look. Yeah, you, know, you were crack inund- open up a, you, a can of popcorn. Were, yeah, we're inundated with a weird. A gigantic but advertising budget on a three thousand million dollar film. That's a number. <laughs> anyway, so two bits, which currently you can rent on the streaming services. And Patrick, I just discovered it did actually come out on DVD. No way. There is a DVD available on Amazon. There is no Blu-ray of two bits yet. Mm. Criterion. Vinegar Syndrome. Call on your name either way. (laughs) (laughs) Vinegar Syndrome put it out. It would be the funniest thing. It's like, ooh, I I could get it at the Vinegar Syndrome sale along with my copy of the Ebola Syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let's see. What movies am I getting from the Vinegar Syndrome sale? I'm getting, uh, you know, The Sex Murderers, (laughs) Hell Comes to Frogtown, and Two Bits. Two Bits. (laughs) Two Bits. Two Bits time, baby. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> Two Bits is the story of 12-year-old Gennaro, who takes place on a hot summer day in 1933. Oh, fun fact, mm. the Gennaro is the name of the uh, the lawyer that gets eaten by the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Mm. Mm, that's, what, that's, think about. that's why we have you on the show, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, is there a connection? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, hot summer day, nineteen thirty-three, South Philadelphia. Twelve-year-old Gennaro. Um, and this already, if you do the math, and you look at where he was born, this is just his life. This is Joseph Stefano. This is his life. He lives. It's ah, uh, folks. The Great Depression is on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Times are tough. He lives with his widowed mother and his ailing grandfather. Mm-hmm. His widowed mother is played by Academy Academy Hall of Famer, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who is become the daughter, once the sister, and now the daughter of Al Pacino. In a, in a way, it's kind of progressive because usually it's the other way around. Indeed, usually, it is, you know, yeah. yeah. She'd be so playing like, his, yeah. She she should be playing his mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this at that time, yes, certainly. So, okay, point for two bits. There we go. Two point to two bits, and of course, as grandpa, is Al Pacino. Yes. Um, under a cake full, just caked makeup. He, he, he oh my god, he, he looks like um. You know, you go to like Halloween Town, and you look for old guy the costume. Yes, this is probably the kit. This is the kit you'd probably be getting. <laughs> like... Oh, for sure. He looks like you go to a um a local production of a Christmas Carol, like a Christmas Carol play, and he is like he's wearing the Scrooge ma- the leftover Scrooge makeup from that. So we we love these like. There's like my favorite of all time is like some of the George Romero movies are like this. So George Romero would cast from like community theater in like the Pittsburgh area for a oh, lot that's of his really movies. Cool, and there's usually like one guy who was clearly like the the showboat like scene chewer of oh, community no. theater who's bringing that to uh bringing that to the production. <laughs> Al's got a little bit of that quality. <laughs> this movie, yeah. he is uh he you know what he's like i you get the sense that al he feels a little stranded he's a little lost at sea but you know what if i'm gonna be stuck in this weird um you know the primarily for 90 percent of the film he's primarily in a weird garage or a weird backyard rather i apologize it's like sprawling a weird... for this sprawling downtown south philadelphia like backyard Backyard, backyard, thank you. I said garage, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's like uh, just a, uh, and there's just all sorts of weird knickknacks, and you know, you feel like the borrowers live in this backyard. Just a lot of weird nooks and crannies. But he's I having know, a fun time. It's an indication of the possibility of magic that actually never occurs in this movie. It, yeah, it is like the most magical. This film is the most magical realism a film can be without any without magic. any magical realism <laughs> yeah or realism yeah exactly or realism. yeah magic or realism <laughs> so um al is grandpa just known as grandpa al is grandpa al is grandpa and uh cuz it's the depression nobody's got to dough. he's like sitting in the backyard just dying of everything it seems, yeah, like <laughs> he is like that. Uh, he is just constantly dying. He's on the verge of death. He he wants to die. Yeah, certainly wants to. And yeah, you get me out of like, here, please help me. <laughs> and he's holding on to his last quarter, his last two bits. Mm. Meanwhile, just down the block, oh, the magic of movies, the Palermo. <laughs> Ooh. Not not to be confused with Palermo's, the Italian restaurant ton, uh, Ver- <laughs> what is it, Vermont? Oh, yes, <laughs> that's a deep cut. Next, that's very... next, next to Fred sixty two. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's for the LA heads. <laughs> yeah, for the, for the very, LA very... listeners out there. Yeah, for everyone who uh, <laughs> knows where Fred sixty two yeah. is, yeah. 
It's been referenced on Comedy Bang Bang and Doughboys. Come on. <laughs> we can do it. We can get away with it. Um, Miss Fred. Um, Flermo, oh, yeah. the movie theater is just open, and damn it. Oh, the mayonnaise. The mayonnaise cost a quarter. So, which brings us to our first big dramatic element of two bits is when is grandpa gonna die? <laughs> I just need to see the, I need to see this dang movie. See, which has never said which movie it is. Yeah. Like I would love to know which movie made Joe Stefano Joseph Stefano, you know, and sent him down the, his Sammy Fableman esque road toward a cinematic success and greatness. We don't know. The yeah, movie so... opens over the, the credit sequence with a whole oh, yeah. bunch of clips of movies of the era, like Greta Garbo and James Cagney and the Marx Brothers and stuff like that. Yeah, peak 30s cinema. And it makes you happy. You love seeing that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, this is fun. I like these. I like these guys and colorful characters. <laughs> but then, so like, he's promised him this quarter when he dies. He's not dying fast enough for Gennaro. Gennaro... Should be known as played by and gets top billing, Jerry Barone, a young actor who was never seen, never heard from again, according at least according to IMDb. Um, mm-hmm. After two bits, uh, he, you know, oh, I was thinking this movie is very stickball, too. Huge stickball. This is totally like when I was a kid. Me and the boys used yeah, to get me, a, yeah. a, a soda float at the the pop salad bar or whatever. Yeah, like, and it was like maybe we catch a glimpse at you know young Maria's ankle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back when you'd bite into a tomato and it tastes like a tomato. Yeah, when <laughs> coffee flavored coffee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they hit Gennaro and his pals. Um, they can't get the quarter. So his idea of fun is like, hey, let's go check out the church. Yikes. <laughs> no entertainment in South Philadelphia. Oof, yeah, these guys, 33. <laughs> these guys needed an Xbox 360 with Halo 3. <laughs> the funny thing is that this church and the, their Italian-American community, it seems like there's always going to be a wedding or a funeral. But today, oh shit. <laughs> the church gets double booked. It leads to, but there's like, so here's the deal. Which makes this movie like all of this is so dumb, but like there's these slow motion shots of like a couple kissing and these women all in the same like flowing like turquoise dresses getting out of a car simultaneously. Like Jen walked in, she's like, This is really pretty. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, yeah. this is really good looking. Like everything's like, looks, like great in this movie. Like the like the there's purposeful filmmaking at hand in this film at least at times like there's like in yeah. this craft involved like i feel you especially like and uh it's like the same cinematographer i think i said this earlier but it's yeah. the same cinematographer as the one in glengarry Glen ross and he's doing a great job yeah yeah and it's his name um you should notice juan ruiz ancia and ah. uh oh and i want to know too carter burwell's score is quite good yeah, he's always he some... quite good. Yeah. Um, so that they they and then they're so the cemet the the funeral and the wedding are double booked. They get in a fist fight. People are making out. It's it's actually kind of like kind of fun and weird and very specific. It's definitely something he saw. Yeah, it feels yeah. That is the thing about this movie that keeps it interesting to a certain degree is that it is very idiosyncratic. This yeah. is a hundred percent like just the weird memories of a guy, and like you can't 
It's this hey, is God he's like bless he, him. This has outlived him. He's yeah. this guy's will be over a hundred years old. He's been well, dead for twenty years. And what's interesting is that, like you know, in a way, it's like that. Um, it's like a demonstration of why like AI art is doomed to fail. Is because it couldn't. You could type in a billion prompts into a billion row, like you know, yeah, computers monkey style. It would never create something get like this. A cleaner, better version of this. Yeah. Well, you would never get something as weird and personal. As yeah. This. Something Nick Cave said the other day. He's like, what art is, is the area between success and failure at your art. The best artists always have weird shit that would be considered imperfect or even bad in a technical sense. Yeah. And thus the things break through are all the 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 stuff that we remember are the idiosyncrasies Mm -hmm. they're not clean successes clean successes the marvel movies are clean successes yeah they might as well be created by ai oh totally and but you know and they make people happy and ai bullshit's gonna make people happy oh for sure and like you know and the few times those movies are interesting in any capacity is when they like decide like the the you know the the every two or three films where they decide to let let Peyton Reed do something weird or let like yeah, yeah like... and but then it's odd because it seems like the Marvel fans like revolt like, yeah against an interesting show. like I never saw it but I know that like you know Ryan Johnson for his Star Wars from what I understand oh tried a whole bunch of different shit. Yeah, they got roundly rejected by the Star Wars heads. Oh, they all want to kill him. It's yeah, crazy. They it's scary. <laughs> they want to. Yeah, he has. They're like himself to sleep <laughs> in all of his murder mystery tale stories. Like, cause he was fucking smart enough to realize there was actually a general hunger for murder mystery stories. Still, yeah, yeah. Good, good on him for figuring. He, he that got out. out of there. He figured yeah, it. Yeah, he got there. away. Get out of there. Don't deal with it, man. You got. Hey, with Natasha Leone. Hang out with her. She seems very cool. Yeah, she <laughs> seems know? fun. She kicked yeah. my ass, probably. <laughs> yeah, she seems very cool. I would smoke a cigarette with her, and I don't smoke. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, um, they witness this. They're bouncing around. It's you know, it's kids. It's some yeah. classic stickball stuff. They're, they're running having the cherry street. ices. They're doing. Yeah, 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 you know, they're wearing shorts and like long sleeve shirts. It's like it's it's hella sweaty. They're they're discovering women, you know, all these kind of coming yeah. of age things. Like, like, like what, 12, 13? No, they're like 10, probably even. They're 12. 12. But like okay. the kind of that hazy, everything is shot at magic hour. Everything's golden. Yep. James Foley, really, like, like I said, there's some really stylistic stuff in here that's cool that I do mm-hmm. dig. But then this doctor comes to visit oh, grandpa no, this to guy. check on him patrick do you want to take this one this because i was kind of getting a little drowsy here and uh this was weird yeah this is like this is so this is the part of the movie where like okay so the doctor's like introduced and he's he's like a seems normal first normal doctor but then like he runs into him later i guess he runs into him so first he like tries to get money by like working at the grocery store and there's that whole sequence uh where like a lady tries to take something I can't quite or she does take something and the you know the uh shopkeeper just lets her take it uh and then uh then he's like 
sees like he's walking down like you know one of those idyllic Philadelphia streets, and he sees buskers, and he's like, "Oh, that's how I'll make my movie, uh, my money. I'll busk." And oh, and he... then and then uh, he gets yelled at by the women in town because it makes him look poor. Yeah, well, it's his aunt, and his yeah, aunt. aunt. Then his aunt then takes the money from him. Yeah, <laughs> cruel, cruel. But just like, and that's in, and that, and it's interesting because like that feels like a thing that probably happened to him. That yeah. does feel like a which. Then makes the next moment uh, much more alarming <laughs> because then he runs into the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Good word for it. Yeah, alarming. Yeah, it's alarming. The, the definitely the yeah. At a certain point in this movie, the Kill Bill siren will go off in yeah. your head <laughs> because uh, you know he runs into this doctor uh, that was working on his um, his uh, grandfather. And I can't remember if, like, I can't, because I'm not going to lie, man. So, uh, us trying to record this has been a trip. So, it's been a while since both of us has watched this film. I I watched this movie before a good year. We'll put it that way. Oh, yeah. It's it's been, yeah. Yeah, It's it's been been, a a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, Yeah, we are. It is a hazy dream to us, but. It feels like a dream. The yeah, entire thing. Which is fitting. It is honestly 100% fitting for this type it's of movie. It's back to the Lynchian quality we were just discussing with his Twin Peaks work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, he meets this doctor, the doctor, and I think he's just like trying to ask for like, you know, oh, how can I make, I'm trying to make, you know, 25 cents to see a movie. And I'm like, you know, I have my dimes taken away and I just, I want to make a quarter. And the doctor is like, you know, usually I don't do this. Usually I do this with like older folks or whatever, but you can go uh, like fold laundry for me in my like attic or whatever, my basement. He's like, just do like these chores around my house. And so then like he he goes to like his the, 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 the doctor's house <laughs> to do chores and he runs into like the doctor's wife who is not satisfied with the doctor in any capacity. And then it's, it seems that the, the, the flippin' lady wants, like, is, wants to do something. Like, he, she is, she, like, she she's, talks- she's sexually curious. Yeah. She's, or, well, or, she, or desireful. Yeah, and she's also talking about, like, how the doctor, like, you know, she doesn't, he doesn't satisfy me anymore, or something. <laughs> like, there's something, or, like, with them, too, and you can't tell, like, if the, if it's with, hi, uh, if it's a hang-up with him or a hang-up with her. Uh, either way, super crazy. This comes out of nowhere. You're watching, like, a coming-of-age stickball. Like, it's a stickball movie. You're watching, like, oh, yeah. it's, like, the Sandlot. And then suddenly it goes from the Sandlot to, like, darkness. Like the dark, the, the depths of darkness, and this kid, like, and it's not shot like that either. The kid just kind of runs away, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and like leaves the lady there, and then like later on, I don't know how much later in the film, they go back. She, they like go by that house again, and they find her. Like, do they? They find her, right? Like they find her. She. Yeah, she's she, dead. She's dead. Yes, she's hung yes. herself. Uh, sorry, yeah. like I'll do a trigger warning before that, but it's <laughs> fucking crazy. It's yeah. so it comes out of left field, and it's thoroughly, it is thoroughly, it's just so bizarre, and it's handled so weirdly, and it, the the tone of it doesn't match anything else, or it's try. Well, I think what's weird about it is like the content is 
d- delivered to us in the dreamy tone of but the film. But it's like also scary. Oh, it's super I scary. I, I'm guessing their idea was to shoot it from a child's point of view and how scary that would be, but it's insane. And yeah, like, what what am I watching? What happened here? Yeah, it's and it's and well, but then like I think the thing in any other movie, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think that like that's a big deal. That's a big deal to witness that. And I feel like that kid doesn't like there's no moment and maybe it's like a testament to just how things were in the thirties. Maybe you mm-hmm. did witness horrors every day and we're like, eh, whatever, mm-hmm. like life goes on. Hey. <laughs> Too bad for the doctor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, go back to stickball now. Yeah. Oh, look, uh, an ankle. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah look, an ankle. <laughs> it, it is truly like it is just like it's such an interesting. It is like fascinating from like an anthropological or just like a um, an artistic perspective that like that is just like never. It truly is never touched again. Yeah, and then um, and he just kind of gives the doctor a look when he goes to church and they bump into each other, but it just goes down and it's sad but it doesn't yeah. really affect because Gennaro has to make it to the movies. Yeah. He has to see uh, James Cagney in the yes. roaring twenties. He has to see something. He has to see, <laughs> we don't know. We truly like, does he like a huge, like uh see like an Ubi works animation fan? Who I wanna knows? See, I want to see like the thing that made him want to make movies. So yes. He's going down that road. It's that's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's easy. It's it's that or like, I don't know. It's so weird. It's just like, yeah, because like literally like the extent of the importance of cinema to Gennaro, at least at this time, his character, it is just like, oh, it's a cold. It's a place to be cold. It's yeah. like a yeah. And um, so he goes back home. Grandpa's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Nearly dying. Grandpa. He's like it's... Gra- death is swarming. Grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He is like in Charlie Bucket's grandparents mode, just in bed. Yeah, yeah. Except there's no golden ticket for Grandpa. Yeah, None no Charlie, whatsoever. no chocolate factory. He's not gonna get up and do a jig. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. No fizzy lifting drink for this yeah, guy. He's not gonna be eating some bubbles and doing some flying. I wish. I do wish. <laughs> oh, God. I they wish should've... that there is a part at the end of this movie where he like right before he goes to the movie theater, looks at the sky, and now she knows like bye. <laughs> I'm in heaven. It's like a, he's like in the fucking like up like house with the balloons. <laughs> what is my house made of? Balloons. Balloons. Sounds good. <laughs> so he's like, I'll give you the quarter. I'm not gonna make it. Oh no. <laughs> but I gotta you gotta do something for me. Oh, I should also note this movie's eighty four minutes long. So not much happens. It goes by pretty pretty fast. Yeah, there's like, like another big like moment where like yeah, the other big weird the other moment. big weird moment. He goes, so here's the deal. There's a woman from my past before I married your grandmother, and I had sex with her, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> it's like yeah, I and did I it need before. you. I need you to go to her house and say sorry for me. <laughs> you gotta apologize for my sex crime. I know, because I kind of, I kind of, I never called a ghost of this lady seventy-five years ago. She like lost her teeth or something. 
Oh it's my god. Crazy. Yeah, and it ruined her, made her mean or something. I don't know. <laughs> it like ruined her <laughs> the the way he treated it ruined her life. And so it's like big deal. And Al Pacino's like, it's in, like in, it'll ease my mind. I don't really care about her. Yes. Yeah. But I need to go to I'm never gonna make it to heaven in my gold house. <laughs> Yeah. Should I get my daughter to do this instead of a little twelve year old boy? Probably. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Is this a little is this is he not mature enough to do this? No. But you know what? Send him anyway. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. He goes to this house and it's yeah, it's like you half expect expect like Ray um Ray Wise and Mary Zabriskie to be there. Like all of yes. David Lynch's like crazies. To be it's, there and like, like the Black Hole Sun music video to emerge or something like that. God damn it! Those uh, evil smiles. See, yeah. I'm expecting like I'm expecting like the 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 fucking Helena Bonham Carter Bog Witch from Big Fish. Yeah. Like someone just gonna like curse the little Gennaro and you know he never shall you mate until you appreciate the value of a quarter. Yeah, he <laughs> it, It's not a happy home. He no, apologizes. It's... Doesn't she make him eat something? Like she yeah, makes him eat, like... makes him feed her soup or something. Like a it's weird wild. Soup. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, there's like a lot of everyone's just unhappy. No one. And so then he like runs away. Does it mm-hmm. though? Comes back. Grandpa I did it. Grandpa's like cool, and drops dead. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It's sad. I, I can go to heaven now. It's sad as hell, but man, do I get the quarter? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking he gets the quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't care about Grandpa dying. I'm just no, gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go to watch this movie. Goes to watch the movie. It's terrific. He walks home, hugs his mom. Cut to the credits. I, <laughs> I like movie now. I like movie. <laughs> movie good. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I movie. I love lamp. Practically, <laughs> it's just like like lamp is more specific. Yeah. It's yeah, it's and so we what have we learned? You know? I don't know. I <laughs> guess like really. a, <laughs> a great way to um get out of the sun on a hot summer day is to, you know, crack open a movie. The depression stunk. There was not yeah. a lot of quarters there was not a lot of quarters around. Um a movie that seems to promise magic, but just provides a weird eighty four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like a sub, like you know, if the if the Fablemans is like the the fully evolved human on like you know that shirt with like starts off with monkey and with human. Yeah. There's various. Like, this is definitely like a, a weird, uh, like an offshoot of monkey that kind of regressed and turned into like I don't know a slug. Yeah, it's like a very um, half-assed magic of movies type thing. If that even is the theme. Because it might not be. I don't like. It's so funny because you think it'd be the 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 first like two minutes of those credits. You're like, oh, we're in for some movie magic. We're gonna have like the ghost of James Cagney help this kid find his grandpa's missing. Well, like, here's, uh, a, here's a pitch. He's so caught up as an immature young boy mm-hmm. that maybe the movie is about I should have just been there with my grandpa mm. and not used him for his quarter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I should they kind of try to do via the consistent voiceover narration done by naturally without you know this shouldn't surprise any of you alec baldwin is the old wow. Gennaro. 
returning to the mm. fold. It's a classic also, uh, Gary Oldman and Hannibal scenario, too. Indeed, indeed. I, they all seem to like James Foley. Everyone seems to like him. Yeah. Like nice enough guy. Seems like uh, gets a lot of big stars to work with him. Consistently works. But this is an oddball of a movie. I get the feeling they were hoping for Chinema Paradiso, and what they got was a Chinema Shrug of the Shoulders. <laughs> Shrugadiso. <laughs> Shrugadiso, indeed. <laughs> Bit of a Shrugadiso. Um, this movie came out November 22nd of 1995, mm-hmm. uh, released by Miramax Films, uh, and it made $26,000 <laughs> at the box office. Oh, come on. Poor movie. I feel bad now. Um, it as it stands right now, it has a um. I couldn't even find Ebert's review. I I like was looking all over the place for it. I couldn't even find it. I don't think he watched it. I don't even know if Ebert watched. Well, it just seems odd. Um, forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes based on only ten reviews. Audience score is thirty nine percent on over a thousand reviews. Thousand people. We should. <laughs> interview every last one of them and uh so let me see here chris hicks of deseret news salt lake city wrote obviously has its moment but most of the way this is pretty tepid stuff we've seen it all before um frederick and marianne broussat of of spirituality and practice magazine Oh no, so this is okay. Oh no. Bittersweet coming of age tale about sexuality, love, loss, and forgiveness. Oh god, yeah. I have a feeling that this wasn't on Tiber's radar, this film. Yeah. Uh Chuckle Leary of Fantastica Daily. Fantastica. These are not real. <laughs> These are not real. These are not real. He said Al Pacino gives a touching performance as a dying old man in this sensitive little film. And Mike Clark of USA Today, a star not top real. critic, <laughs> gave it. If King of the Hill couldn't draw pay, and this is not the anime, this is Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill, mm. which is also a stickball movie. Yeah, if King of the Bradford. Hill couldn't draw patrons despite appearing on tons of top ten lists, what's a comparably themed small change remembrance gonna do? And I like that small change remembrance. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting what it this is. is. Well, that's why Mike Clark is a pro. He gets uh, it. He's yeah. This is a weird one. I mean, this is in the um in that um definitely in that Thursday's game zone for us. I'd say. Yeah, in some ways, it's like I don't know. Like there, on one hand, I do find it more uh, exhilarating watch uncovering those old TV movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a lot more fun because those are like you kind of know what the quality is going in. Yeah, and if you can accept that, then you can just kind of like kind of bask in the aesthetic and uh, the weird choices and the uh, fun actors they often have in those films. Yeah. Uh it's still like it's interesting. That it's cool that like. You know, we're like the only two people that have watched two bits in 2023 as of now. Yeah, I could, I could say that with full unless they're now this is the type of movie where I could see like two or three like seemingly normal people having this as their favorite film inexplicably. Yeah, like it seems like somebody's grandma really likes two bits. Oh, yeah. Or like 
you watched this movie when you were like at like the perfect age, and you it you imprint you imprinted on it like a like a baby duck to a mother duck or whatever. Like, uh, it just say, hit you. Say your family went to the lake mm. for like a week oh, in like July movie. on like summer vacation, and there was like five videos that this yeah. place you rented had. One of them was two bits. The others were like Fatal Attraction or something. Something you weren't allowed to watch. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's like Fatal Attraction, Sallow. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust. And two bits. So, of course, you're <laughs> falling in straight into two bits. Yeah. And, yeah, you got a fond memory of it. You were 12 when Gennaro was 12. Yeah. you you Maybe you're a young man or woman and you developed a crush. Yeah, you Jerry, saw an ankle. Jerry Barone. And you're like, yeah. you know, we're the same age. He seems neat. He's cute. Yeah. Um, or maybe you're just, you know, you hate, you hated your grandpa and wanted your inheritance really fast. <laughs> yeah, I want that inheritance. I want that quarter. Um, but, how many kids do you think were inspired to try to score a quarter? For a quarter, I saw it in two bits. It was like the satanic panic of the nineties. Oh yeah, people were burning copies of two bits. All yeah, instead of listening to like Judas Priest albums, they were. Watching two bits. They were wearing old man makeup. Yeah. Kids were two bits. Like, oh god, they're two bitsing. We've banned two bitsing from Robert F. Kennedy High School. <laughs> <laughs> no old men allowed. No old men allowed. <laughs> That'd be so fucking funny if like that became like a trend on TikTok just to like do like bad grandpa like yes. at your school. Like stop dressing like an 85 year old man. I mean, that was a trend a little bit during the pandemic. There were like teens that were dressing up as old people to get like alcohol. Oh, I didn't know. I never heard about that. The, oh, the last yeah. one I heard was really cool. Was like, I guess teens are doing Adam Sandler Day. That's funny. They're all wearing like gym shorts and oversized t shirts to school. That, they're all dressing like Matt Chrisman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, they're, the Matt they're Chrisman challenge. Fully leaned into shorts all the time, guy. Uh, I love it. Hey, I've been that guy multiple times. I'm, I'm honestly, a, I'm that guy like choice. 30 days a year. It's a choice. The shorts all the time. I'm not a shorts all the time guy, but hey, I understand a, it for others. It's like a hat guy. It's a lot. It's a lifestyle, and it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a point of comfort too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, two bits. I mean, it's only 84 minutes long, so you're not gonna like lose a lot of your life. He will lose it, though. You will lose it. Like, that 84 is out the window, like those two bits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a weird one. It was a weird choice. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Because, like, I'm always very pro the oddball ones, but this was an oddball one. No question about it. Odd among the oddballs. It's cool. We're going to be the only podcast that has ever covered this movie. I'm just going to say that right now. A key two bits podcast. Um, like we said, Cinema Seminal Keep Two Bits Podcasting. And I think, like, with with sometimes when these things happen, like, I don't think this was that big of a swing financially to pay for. The actors, like Pacino, worked as a favor to Foley. So when it came and went from the box office, probably Joseph Stefano was the only one who may have been really hurt by that because it was his story. Yeah. But everyone else moved on. Like we said, oh, Al Pacino yeah. was in Heat the same year. Mm-hmm. Most people remember Heat. So yeah. Maybe there's maybe some people remember two bits more than Heat. But most I, remember oh, Heat. God. 
I want to have a dinner with one of these people. No, because it might become a weird soup dinner. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, so what followed, though, uh, Foley returned in 1996, the very year next year, with two movies, the jo John Grisham adaptation, The Chamber, and the terrific teen thriller, Fear, with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. If oh, well. you want more Fear coverage, they covered it on our Sister Brother podcast, Everything is Scary. And I got to, I sat down and watched it with Jen for in her coverage, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very from William Peterson's in it too. Ooh, I love uh, I love a good Willie Peets. Ninety nine, he directs The Corrupter with Mark Wahlberg and Chow Yun Fat. I'm very I never saw this one. I'm interested in this yeah. movie. Yeah, after without, Replacement without Killers. Oh, like the 1999 aspect of it and the Replacement Killers aspect of it. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm fat pilled. Uh, I'm for sure. 2003, he makes crime drama Confidence, which has Edward Burns, Dustin Hoffman, Andy Garcia, and Rachel Weisz. 2007, he makes a movie called Perfect Stranger with Halle Berry and uh, Bruce Willis. Oh. Um, and then in 2017 and 2018, he directs two of the Fifty Shades films, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. I've never seen any of these. I will more than likely... Never see these movies. Yeah, unless we show cover them for the show for some reason. Yeah, Never been. Uh, it's Jamie fine. Jordan bracket. <laughs> if it's fine, it's fine. If you're into it, I don't care. Yeah, they're um, probably fun. Like I don't know. Not, like I, I will. Not, not an appealing thing to me. Even though I, I, I think I really like Dakota Johnson. I think she's great. I will say, uh, Fifty Shades Freed. I do want to see at some point because uh, supposedly uh, the Mister Gray or whatever his character in one of his like you know houses in his mansion, there does hang a poster of Chronic the Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, that there is, is a, uh... it's such a fascinating wrinkle to that character. Like, is this guy a huge <laughs> pitch black fan? Like, I want to know about this. I want to hang out with him and just talk about uh you know pitch black lore. <laughs> Such a rich guy move. You could design your house in any way. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna put up a big Riddick poster. Yeah, I wanna. I wanna. Yeah, my favorite character, Riddick. <laughs> do we play the Xbox game? I wanna talk. I wanna talk Riddick. <laughs> uh, but Foley's actually done a ton of TV in mm -hmm. recent years. Uh, did an episode of Hannibal. Did an episode of Wayward Pines. Did a couple billions and did twelve House of Cards. He was one of the key directors Ooh. for that. TV series. Um, he's got on the pipeline, it looks like he's developing TV miniseries called Reagan Gorbachev Ooh. and a movie called The Diamondback, but both in development according to IMDb, not yet completed. And, uh, but still out there, still going for it. I love it. Uh, interesting working, solid career as a director with the. Some 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 pretty solid stuff. Yeah, overall. he's in the top three Foley's. Him, Mick, and Dave. Like they're yeah, they're the three big <laughs> ones. <laughs> three of the biggest Foley's. Yeah, they're the three Foley's. <laughs> <laughs> they should start a podcast. Oh man, what, what would their opinions be? I want to know. Yeah, what are your opinions? <laughs> yeah, what are your opinions? Dave Dave Foley and Mick Foley would have a blast together. <laughs> yeah. James Foley? I don't know. Maybe not. But this is our podcast. We're finishing up this one today. Foley, Pacino, in the books. Oh, yeah. More Pacino to come someday. 
probably haven't heard the last from David Mamet for all we know either. <laughs> yeah. Let me inevitably do like a fully John Amiel Breck, <laughs> you know, episode or whatever yeah. the fuck we do 30 years Catch from up now. Catch a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, 30 years from now, we're still doing this. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. I'll be, I'll oh, be yeah. old. Um, <laughs> Hey, we'll hey, we just old. got six, 64 listens. <laughs> yeah, we'll start our Patreon soon. <laughs> almost enough listeners. Almost <laughs> <laughs> oh, So, um, anyway, next week on the show, we return to the world of David Fincher. You want it darker, the David Fincher story with The Game from 1997. Mm. Currently on Stars, can be rented on Blu-ray or DVD. Um... There's also a Criterion disc out there, which is a worthwhile pickup if you've got a little extra scratch, if you want to check that out. Then the week after that, a Ridley Scott double feature. Love it. 2007's American Gangster. Fuck yeah. Uh, Yeah. Big one. Big movie. It's a good movie. Good movie. Paired with... The uh, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio joint from 2008, Body of Lies. Mm. I'm excited. I haven't seen any of these. I've only seen both these movies once. uh, I've seen American Gangster. Haven't seen Body of Lies, but I'm interested. I'm excited. I like to say we're Pete Crow right now. Some good crows. We can get more post 9-11 war movie talk from Don and Patrick. (laughs) I know everyone's excited about that. Yo, yeah. If you want our, those those hot takes, we're going to keep them coming. Uh, American Gangster is currently on Amazon Prime, also Blu-ray. Body of Lies can be rented through any of the services and is also on Blu-ray. Patrick, happy birthday. Your, oh. your gift, two bits. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Oh, no, Don, you're floating. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm going away. <laughs> before, before I expire, I've had a long good life. But I only have one regret, and I need you to do something for me. I need you to check in with us at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, no. Or on Twitter at the Academy Cat. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dead. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, Grandpa. Great, Grandpa. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Grandpa's there for closers. Oh no! <laughs> Grandpa's there for that's closers. All. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's all we're I got. done. Uh, for Patrick, I'm done. We'll see you next week at the Academy Academy. Lots of rambling. Well, it's easier than just waiting around to die. All one time, friends, I had them all. Even had a paw Well he beat her with a belt once Cause she cried She told him to take care of me Headed down to Tennessee